Welcome back to the Nuts and Bolts podcast. We got Don Hockle here with us today. Yes, sir. Oh, man. All the way from San Antonio. Hey, had to duck on in here, man. Bumped his head. <laughs> tell you guys right now, this is way further north than I normally go in January. It's <laughs> a little bit of a damage control thing, you know. It's like once you get north of Austin, you get a little shaky. Oh, yeah. It's definitely cold up here. Is Dude. it cold this cold at home or what? That's eh, about like it is today, but when I got up to leave here, it said it was like two. Yeah. Or wind chill, maybe negative two or something right. like that. Like, oh, my God. We were definitely in the teens most of yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, and the wind is horrific. Absolutely, it is. But that's why we're talking about the subject today, is because this is building season. Yep, yep. Oh, it's perfect, perfect time to talk about it. Yeah, we had to make a trip over to the local hobby town to pick up a little bit of glue and got push uh, rods, and I hooked, showed you the route for that miter box too. Oh yeah, yeah. The basics, essentials. Right. You don't need much to build one, especially if you're doing a trainer. I'm kind of sad I missed that trip. I kind of want to go to the hobby shop with you guys. Well, we were just bored to death. And we went to the sewing shop, too. Yeah. Multiple. I'm saying that for the IRS. We went to the sewing shop. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to this episode. Yeah. yeah. I got witnesses. I even drug clay in there. Right. Yeah. We went and looked at, uh, I learned about Brother sewing machines. Brother makes a lot of stuff, man. Yeah, they do. They're, they're, uh, they have a product that's really, not geared towards modeling but it would work really well in fact i have one and it's exceptional at cut and covering yep it's called a scan and cut it it uses their printer technology to um it's essentially just a drag knife that you can cut vinyl on right but it's a the the mat is sticky enough that you can take monaco pull the backing off and lay it on there and do your vector, and you can just cut the pattern right out. How and big of a bed does it have? Pretty good size. It's 18 by 24. 18 by 24. That's pretty good. So, I mean, yeah. you, you can do a lot of can, graphics with that. Yep. If you're just doing the graphics, um, you know, you even on a big airplane, you can kind of lace them together mm-hmm. with different colors to, to make it well, work. Even if the, you have to piece it together. It's not that wide anyhow. I don't, mm-hmm. uh, right. I don't know how wide Monaco is, but it, it's not very wide. Well, I've definitely cheated and used my wife's little cricket machine, which I've got. It's f- very similar to that. Yep. <clears throat> but the, this one here, um, the the mat being sticky, it's easier to keep the covering from peeling up. Right. Which but I've got a forty-two inch plotter, and sometimes it's just easier to grab that little thing and just knock some stuff out. I mean, I've done full-on sign jobs with a cricket. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's some Etsy millionaires out there. Oh like, yeah. Uh, gals have garage fulls of them you know all they do is just pump out those little parts yep and whatever yeah it's we talked about that quite a bit last night with all the little knickknack things that mm-hmm. you can do with lasers and whatnot and people are self-made millionaires off of 20 dollar items seriously crickets there's a lot of guys that are making good money oh yeah the the coronavirus uh, uh, cricket will actually cut balsa yep not real thick, but it will cut balsa. I've seen guys do it. Hmm. I never would even would have thought about that. I don't have no, any experience with a cricket. Router works a lot better. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. speaking of gadgets, since we're here, yeah, what do you got I, over there? Uh, Fortitude is now an ISDT dealer, and they sent because I've been selling charger cases all last year, and they sent me a sample of a new product that they have. 
that um, as far as I know, nobody showed one off yet, but this is really cool. It's, it is a gadget, but it's a cool one. So they redid the Q8 charger. So now they're called Air 8s. Okay. And you can monitor it with your cell phone. So it'll text you when your battery's done charging. Well, that'd be handy. That's pretty awesome. It'll fly in. You got to be within a certain. It's Bluetooth, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not like you can't be at the other end of Ice House. And oh, okay. But if you're in your pit area somewhere, it will let you know. And we'll turn it on. And I'll show you. But this, that's cool. But the part that goes with it is where it really shines. Is they have these new things called bat airs that right. plug into your into your um, balance port. Mm-hmm. It's a tiny little box that's Bluetooth, and it records every cycle, the voltage of each cell, and it logs it on an app in your phone. Oh, I like that. So it's kind of like the uh, DJI batteries, how they have a, a log, how many times well, it's been cycled. The Hori- Horizon um, patented the uh, safe, not safe, um, smart yep. battery technology. <laughs> well, this is a way that you can basically make any of your packs the same thing. All you got to do is plug this on there. Oh, nice. So what you do is you open the app. I'm going to show you guys. You have the app open. There's two different apps. There's one Air, which does the tags, and then the other one actually shows you what the charger's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that does the charger's kind of a gimmick. It really doesn't matter. But the the reason why this will work on any charger, it doesn't really matter. But it, if you use this newer Air 8 charger... You don't have to program it because you can program this with your phone and then it just automatically knows what you want it to charge it in. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's super cool. So on the app, you go to the air. See, it shows both of them because we're, we're within range. Right. If you touch this button. Oh, it moved over to that battery. Yeah, so hit that battery. And it should give you the full detail. I haven't played with this much at all, so there's not that much. So it tells me that it's a Thunder Power 3S5500 at 19% charge. And it's it a should. little bit out of balance. <laughs> oh, well. Let's see. This is, and it should say which, and you can mark oh. him which airplane it is uh, designated to, or helicopter, or car, whatever. Right. And Yeah, this says it's for the laser receiver pack. Mm-hmm. Zero cycles, I'm charging it at one C, one amp. Well, uh, what's this auto storage timer? I wonder what that's about. This is disabled. Uh, I'm not sure. I think that this will. Well, that auto like discharge like, maybe auto discharge. I mean, it's very very low. Right. Um, but if you've got a charge pack that's just sitting in your battery case for a week, you know, yeah, set up the time, it'll take it down, and it will do that. Yeah. I think that's what that right is. I yeah, that's super cool. It. Um, the discharge bricks. Right. Yeah, so it's got discharge rate, charge rate for the, this is all battery information. Uh, then I'm looking at, uh, it says custom settings, full charge voltage. I'm guessing, like the chargers, you can yeah, you change can that a little that. bit. Yeah, it's got storage voltage, what you want to charge it at. And then with this charge current set at one amp, when you plug it into the charger on the Air 8, it tells the charger what charge yeah, rate you want I, that battery at this is automatically a, right this is a um a receiver battery well not really it's just a 3s battery that i charge them at at 1c 
right? Because they last longer. But the big ones, I hit them as hard as the charger will give it. Right. I want to fly again. <laughs> right. You know, but the yes, you can. If you program whatever you program into that, if you're using the Air Eight or some of the newer chargers that are going to have this, um, this is just a Q8 with the Wi-Fi. Okay. But when you plug it in, it will read the data that's stored in this. That one question that a fellow had was. Do you have to use the app every time to log it? No, it's it keeps it in the in the chip. Okay, so it's in so the device that's plugged onto the battery. Like a hundred times, and then when you link it to your phone, it'll show you all the all mm-hmm. the information. You don't have to use the phone every time. So, question I've got uh, that's a a small device, but it's not. I mean, it's got a little bit of mass to it. There, would you leave that plugged in in the airplane? Oh, absolutely. You trust it? I mean, does it have like a retainer or yeah, something? If okay. You look, there's a little clip that goes over the over the balance. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know it if that would have to get that in there. Well, and I just I didn't know how easy it plugged and unplugged because you take a a 3D plane up, you know, doing some shit hot maneuver or something other and sling that thing off. That's what I was talking about. Well, I don't think you're going to. It's on well, there pretty solid. It, it looks like it is, yeah. But okay, my question is so. That battery, you've had it for a long time. It's time for a new battery and everything like that. I can reset that, yeah, put it on another battery. You can't do it by accident. It has a password. Each battery has a password. Right. It defaults to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, but you have to manually enter it right. in, so you, your, in your app to reset it. So you can, but you can't do it just it's by accident. It's like, you're, let's just get it charging, and you accidentally reset it. It takes some doing to okay. reset it. That's super cool. How much uh, do, do they have a price point on those things? Yep, they're five bucks a piece. Wow, that's what? not bad Three. at all. What? <laughs> I got a bushel load of them coming. No, no, yeah. <laughs> well, go ahead and put me down for a whole, yeah, a whole heap, because I'm so, gonna want a bunch of them, right? Um, so there are two different configurations. Actually, three. There's a 2S one. There's and then there's a 2S. No, I'm sorry, a 3S, 4S. Well, that's what this is. A 4S. Yeah, okay. So three to four. So there's a two S dedicated, mm-hmm. and then there's a three to four S, and then there's a five to six. So I can assume that uh, that each one of them is slightly look, different in mass. Like yeah, so, a two S is going to be the smallest one. Really small. Right. Um, but if you look at the six S one, it's quite a bit wider than this one. Yeah, I see that. So could you They're just buy point. six S ones and put it on whatever, or it doesn't work that way? Five and oh, six the, only. The um, balance port slots or the little grooves in there yeah the detent it only whatever. lets you do five or six S. right that's cool. i mean i'm sure you could force it in there but the i think the reason why they do that and in fact i know it is is one is weight because they can right. make the two s one smaller mm-hmm. and second is they have these locking tabs that right keep it from what clay was saying where you launch it out of the front of your point so i've yeah. got i've got a p30 yeah. Is and it's got Oh, the the old chargers will work with this no problem. Right. The only thing is that's really neat about this charger is like a we can be at the field and it'll text you when it's done. Right. Or I mean it gives you a notification so, that your battery's charged. So that's perfect like night flying when we're all hanging out and BSing with each other and we got some battery packs on charge and Right. You know, and then there's always that deaf guy that can't hear his charger going off. Well, maybe oh, yeah. he might hear his phone, you know, maybe I don't know. Or just, you know, a couple pits down from somebody and you're waiting on your batteries to charge, hanging out, and 
oh, all right, battery's done. Go get it. Yeah, my system's generally been like, okay, I need another beer. I'll check on those batteries now. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. <laughs> this is way that. better. I've yeah. run on that system, too. I've, yeah. <laughs> every once in a while, you got to adjust the charger rate. Right. Oh, the battery charger, it's going too fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're not ready yet. We're not ready. Hey, I just got a text. My Especially battery's done. It, Anybody need a beer? Yeah. <laughs> Especially a P30. It gets it done fast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you Faster power than that the- with? Like a Healy Arc welder or something? <laughs> Man, I don't really you got an SA300 over there or yeah. what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It'll do 50 amps, man. It'll do more than any battery can handle. Absolutely. Oh, a P20 will. Yeah. Honestly. That's really uh, uh, the the problem for me with the P30 was unless you're parallel charging, there's no battery that can handle what it can put out. Yeah. Uh, well, a P20 and you parallel charge that, it's the same deal. I mean, that's yeah. 40 amps. Right. Which I've got enough power, you know, power supply to do that, but I don't know why I would ever need it. Well, the most I ever charge anything really is 10 amps. I yeah. do my 6S at 10 amps. But I've you been, take like I've a. I've been doing my success. Those are fifty five hundreds. I've been doing them at fifteen. Yeah. But it says right on the label you can go up to sixteen and a half or something like that. But at fifteen right. at fifteen amps on a P twenty, with the RV eight, the Flex RV eight. If you fly it for six minutes, you know I flog on it pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Stick that battery on there. It's sixteen minutes and it's ready to go again. I usually charge, if I do 3C on, say, like my 3500s or 4000s, mm-hmm. between 15 and 20 minutes, yeah, they're done. Long. Yeah. No. So why would you need this? I mean, you, the speed controller isn't even cooled off yet. Right. Practically. Yeah. Usually by the time my battery's, my battery's done before I'm ready to go again, more times than not. And I've got enough packs. I cycle them through. It's not really an issue. But So ISD... T has a really cool YouTube video on these where it's he they got like a hundred of them lined up and it shows the app really working because I only have these two samples but mm-hmm. you can put an infinite number of batteries in there and the button being able to find it in the app will get in real will become handy real quick because when you put one on every pack you got right you know, well I noticed that you have that one labeled as laser receiver pack yeah you e- can each of my it. gas planes I've got four packs. Well, you can filter it per per airplane, or you can filter it per the type of battery. You can do all kinds of stuff. It's however nice. you set it up. Yeah. Exactly. You can get as nerdy with it as you want to. or. Mm-hmm. Well, the biggest thing, I, I like to sell, like, the number of cycles. That, that to me, is awesome because that's always been something that I, I kind of nerd out when it comes to certain things. Like, I keep count of how many flights each of my gas planes has on the airframe. Oh, that's not and, a bad idea. Um you know, especially maintenance schedule and things like that. But mm-hmm. with lipos, especially knowing the actual cycle count, you can kind of get an idea of whether the battery's worth the worth the you know replacing it or. Um, well, a lot to of me, times, it's you know you, you look at one that's got like 400 cycles on it, and look at the internal resistance. If it's still low as can be, it's fine. You know, it's a good battery. Like yep. those A powers. Oh yeah. The internal resistance on those is nothing. I, I, I've I, had did have internal resistance problems with one, but it was my fault. I dropped it. It landed on the corner of the cell, and it killed that cell. I had trouble with one of those that got spread across the Duncan field one night. Yeah. <laughs> was that thanks <laughs> to uh, Split Kurt? that sucker open. Oh, yeah. 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 Chips was digging for some salsa. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you ever oh, seen a foamy hit that hard and make that thud? 
Well, but usually it, foamies it, just squeak when they hit the ground. It, it made it sound like a 40 percenter going it, in. It, it was a whack for yeah. short. Yeah. I was so mad. I should have had video rolling. I knew it, too. That's when knew you it. first met him on the way yeah. out there to pick. Yeah. So, hey, nice to meet you, Kurt. <laughs> The, the thing that I would like to know is the durability of a battery. Like, I like to keep track of how much time components have on them to give an honest assessment of how durable something is. Yeah. You know, if a servo fails at 30 flights, probably not going to buy another one of those, right? So battery packs, the same thing. You know, if you may be buying a, a quote, high-end battery. And, oh, yeah, it lasted me a year. Well, how many times did you actually use it throughout that year? Is it really worth the cost? You know, like these flight power batteries here, these are generally Dude, regarded that, as the, some of the best batteries out that there. Thing is, those are 10 years old, and they still work great. You Dude, know, this thing is less puffy than a lot of brand-new batteries I've seen. Yeah. This, it's well, a great battery. you can't get them anymore, but I have six of them, and yeah. they all perform just as good as the day that I got them. Right. But, you know, there's a lot of other competing brands. You and I, when we were eating earlier, we were talking about a very popular brand that when you do the actual testing, it really doesn't stand yeah. up. It doesn't perform like it's supposed to. You do have to be careful with that. And this will, these tools here will def, will help you. Um, you kind of diagnose that and know. That out. Yep. Yeah, you can find out that, you know, hey, that battery that's twice as expensive really is not worth the extra money. Maybe, you know, doesn't get any more cycle counts than the others. Well, man, I've got some of the cheap hobby king batteries that i bought when i got into the hobby they're they're rough they're still working they're still working yeah i don't put them in anything i care about you know but <clears throat> just because they're the life on them the internal resistance is probably higher than what they should be for anything but man throwing it in a little foamy glider perfect the biggest Doesn't thing matter. with the internal resistance is is um as you long can as see if one is drastically different than the right others. if you have that going on it's probably time to consider pitching it yep you so, know but a lot of times is if you get one of those discharge bricks a lot of times you can snap it out of it right um you know just cycle it a few times and charge it real slow yeah like real slow that way it balances the entire time and yep. a lot of times you can get them back so one of the things i look at is like um actually you mentioned it i don't know what a good internal cell resistance in ohms is but I just look the up bigger. for them to be within with, you know, I mean, if it's, was it 10 milliohms or whatever, I don't know if that's great or not, but I look to see if they're within a, a certain percentage of each other. So yeah, you've got well, six cells. I definitely and, want that, but I've found, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know that the bigger the battery, the lower the internal resistance should be. Okay. Um, like those, those 5,500 flight powers are uh, three, four. Oh, way low. Way low. Something like that, five. Yeah. I think the worst one I got, I've seen, is a seven. Right. Um, but this one, a year-old Thunder Power, it's a 2800, and it's like 13, 14, mm -hmm. somewhere in there. So it's a lot higher, but it's actually still really good. Right. You know? Well, it, the biggest thing is all three cells are probably, you know, right there within that 12, 13 range. Yeah. It, uh, and so one's not getting hotter than the other. To, something you do need to know. When you're checking that, don't check it at the beginning of the charge cycle. Look at the end, because at mm, the beginning right. it's kind of all over the place. The charger's still trying to figure out what it really is. So the long, you know, when, if you're 
if you're where you can see that it's in constant voltage mode, that's the time to look. Right. Then you're going to get a true reading. And what do you mean by in constant voltage? Like once it's nearly balanced? Now, on LiPo and LIFE and lithium-ion, they have their constant voltage, constant current. Mm-hmm. So the constant current is what they start with. So it ran, if you set it at 10 amps, it just goes up to 10 amps until it gets to the set voltage, and then it's constant voltage. So that's the constant voltage is when you watch the amperage going down. I see what you're saying. You're talking about on the charger itself. Once it's, You may have it set at 5 amps. But once it's near, once you see it's going 4.9, 4.8, 4.6. Yeah. Well, then that those usually the last quarter to third of the charge cycle, that's, it's way it's, low, it's and it's in, just in there balancing. That's constant voltage mode. I got it's, you. It it's so it like goes I'm from not, constant. That's what keeps the batteries from blowing up. Yeah. Like the different uh, constant current is the way you can charge an ICADs or or uh, nickel metal hydride. Mm-hmm. It just goes till it won't take anymore. If you do that with a lipo, it's just going to explode. Yeah, you can't. Get so they start out in that mode. They start and then, out in that and mode, then, and then as soon as it gets to the to the top voltage that you have it set for the cell count, it won't go any higher than that. Yeah, it starts backing off the amperage after that. Exactly. I got this little air eight will do twenty amps. Yes. Holy jeez. Yeah. Well, it's like the Q eight, so it do eight eight S packs, twenty amps. Yeah. Well, those are what five hundred watt chargers, I think. These are. Um, no, I think they're eight hundred. Oh, did they go up? I think the Q8's only 500. Well, they got a turbocharged version of it that oh. is 8 or 1,000 or something like that. Dude, that that's, blows me away at the size footprint. I mean, you take like a... Oh, uh, that needs a six... That one, you got to run at least a 600-watt power supply. Yeah. And it's tiny. I mean, it's a little bitty thing. That's what I'm talking about is the footprint of that charger for what it puts out. You take like a, a Hyperion thousand watt no, charger yeah, from big as this podcast thing exactly <laughs> yeah it's massive and yeah, it's heavy and, it's and piece of shit yeah, yeah. hard to use and all that i mean or what was the old the power lab eights and stuff like that they were massive compared to these isdts these isdts you just plug it in and it's like a iphone there's no instructions you don't need them right you it's so simple the and manual easy to is this little pamphlet deal i got a guy who got mad at me because i forgot to throw the instructions in there so, so I put, do, do you really I, need the instructions online here you go man it's like it's it figures out everything for you right but it yeah auto Unless cell detection and all that stupid and tell it to charge it wrong you know if you just go with default you're gonna it's gonna work so there is a something in those chargers that i've had not used i wonder I'd, I'd like to talk to somebody that has it has a destroy mode yeah that's if you have a battery that just won't go anymore mm-hmm. it'll discharge it all the way to nothing okay um I've never used it because every time I've ever had one of those, it's usually already caught on fire. Right. <laughs> They're clearly not flying scrap pile style if you need that. Right. Which, well, man, what I think is really cool about these, I can't remember. I've got a smaller ISDT, which it's probably six years old, mm-hmm. you know, but it'll still do like up to 10 amps. But like indoor flying season and stuff like that, did you grab a couple of your big 3S 500s or 5000s or something like that? Throw them in your battery case with your little bitty tiny yeah, batteries. Yeah, that is your power supply. Is your yeah, big one. It, yeah. Well, yeah. right here, this 6S 5000. Oh, that'll run up. You can charge foamy batteries for a weekend yeah. on that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome, man. It's just sitting right there. That's a that's the quad guy coming out of you. It is the quad guy coming. Kind of, dude, that's what we used to do, man. Uh-huh. I'd have a balance board coming off of this charging Six packs at the same time, running off a car battery, you know? Yep. Well, I've seen uh, some of the crawler they guys do charge, that, too. 
they actually work better on six S's going in. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, because the higher the the higher the volt, these will go. You can go up to thirty in. Right. Um, but yes, it 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 definitely charges faster. So and more consistent with twelve volts works, but it right it will limit what this thing can really. If you start parallel boarding them, right, then you want to run more because a three S foamy battery. You're doing 12 to 12. Right. If you have more going in, it's easier for it to right. so charge it. I've actually seen um, you take the, the Q6. It's designed to run on like 8 to 30 or 32 volts, something off the wall like that. All of them are 30 is the is the cap from what I've seen. It's, yeah, I knew it was something along those lines. Um, Tommy had a Q6 that was running on a 12-volt, 400-watt power supply, which is that's more than adequate wattage for a 300 watt Q6, but on 12 volts, the most he could get out of it was seven amps. Right. But we yeah, switched it to a 24, 24 volt. It'll go all the way. It, yeah, it would go. It would do everything it would do then. But you could set it on 10 amps, and it wouldn't do more than seven. And uh, we figured out it was a voltage problem. It wasn't a wattage problem at that point. Right. Um, like I said, 24 volt, 400 watt power supply, and it's it's kicking ass. So. Yeah, the the something that a lot of people don't know is these these ISDT chargers will automatically figure out how much power it's got going in, and it doesn't ask for more. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if your power supply will only give it, you know, six hundred watts or whatever it happens to be, it'll adjust if it's not given at six hundred. It'll ramp the amperage down. Yeah. And a lot of times it's just heat. Like the power supplies get hot, and then then you know. You know, but the biggest thing is put 24 volts to them. Right. right. Well, the other, you can watch the input wattage and voltage on the ISDT and then the output volts and watts as well. But uh, one of the things I, I see as a kind of a common misconception is you take a 500 watt charger and they think, well, I need a 500 watt power supply. Oh, no, 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 you, no, you need more. You need more power supply than charger uh, just because it's not 100% efficiency. Yeah, they're only about 80. Right. A good one. Yeah, you gotta you gotta oversize your. So all of my charge cases have 600 watts for every 500 watts. It's kind of the way they're set up. That's pretty good. That's fairly close. You need at least a, you know, it's you're supposed to only run them at 80 percent of what they're running. Mm-hmm. But you know, we sometimes bump it up a little. Oh yeah. But well, the, but the chargers won't if the if the power supply just won't go anymore it will adjust for it it does it automatically which yeah. is awesome. Well, like I said, even with 500 watts, I'm almost never even. Oh, yeah. I'm. It's hard to they charge the battery so fast. It's hard to get that many battery packs on the thing. Right. I, yeah. I mean, you take like a, a 6s running on 10 amps. You're talking 250 watts. 200. You know. It's not that hard to power that. No, it's not yeah. bad. Maybe if you start doing multiple 6S packs, you could really heat one up. But I'm kind of weird about doing parallel charging. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, man, I was not, I didn't worry about it so much when I was like 1,300 4S packs. That's what I was doing it to, you know? And what you would. Oh, well, the foamy batteries, I do it all the time. Right. You need, you need a whole fistful of them to get some flight time because they only last like three minutes. Right. Yeah. Well, man, I was flying mini quads all the time, so it's—I mean—it's tiny oh. battery. And but main trick there is, is that charger is thinking it's one battery, so those batteries need to be really, really close 
Yeah, they you know, to be either all dead or all somewhere in the same. Right. The yeah. Same. So you don't want to put one that's got half a charge on it with one that's got It'll almost no charge. Show. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You got to be careful doing that. <laughs> yeah, it's not recommended. I, that's the issue. Is I don't ever have mine that closely matched. Hardly, like maybe receiver packs. I might have them that closely matched, but well, the way you cheat that, and I don't condone doing this, but plug in all the the power leads. At the same time, don't plug the balance leads in because that way it's balancing through all of those, you know, with the big voltage yeah, you know, yeah. with the, and everything. So it's not going through the little wires. And then give that a few minutes. And, dude, it's got a balance plug on the end of it. Plug that into your battery checker and they can see if, you know, if it's pretty close to what the few that you put on, right? And wait till they're balanced across, then plug the balance leads in, then charge. Yeah. To get, you know, get them close. Oh, so you're using the batteries to... They're, equal themselves out right yeah they're kind of like a bucket of water they're gonna they're gonna level themselves out so to speak yeah one's a little bit higher than the other so plug in all the power leads smoke a cigarette check it looks yeah, cool i don't recommend that part <laughs> yeah <laughs> you need to quit doing that part. that's that's my timer man oh okay it's my life timer it's also yeah, the it's, beginning it's of everything timer, right. and the end of everything <laughs> yeah <laughs> it takes a really long time to build airplanes with casing it sounds like it what are you talking that, about, man? Well, hang on. Let me go smoke a cigarette, and then we'll get started on this. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's what I do, man. Just saying. Yeah. Oh, jeez. I don't see how that's any worse than, hey, let me go brush my mullet real quick. I'll be right back. Never once have you heard me say that. In my head, I have. Right. In your head. Yeah. <laughs> along with the other old Greg voices going on oh, up yeah. there got the hero wind going on it's all flapping in the breeze oh yeah oh you should have seen when we and mike went sailing oh i bet <laughs> yeah dude yeah that was a pretty unique experience you're gonna have to go with us next time did uh like that stick song come sail away go through your head and like a cartman voice no little high pitch oh yeah platinum urban kiss for the yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I love that little fat guy. Oh, man. It's He's so up. funny. The one where his birthday party and he takes his ball and sends everybody home. Yeah. <laughs> so that one. That like, one. Fuck you guys. I'm taking my ball and I'm leaving. Yeah. So on one of them, he go, on his birthday, they go to Casa Bonita. I've actually got to go to Casa Bonita in Denver. Yeah. It's exactly like the show has, and like the the indoor cliff diving and all that stuff. It's it's real. I was like, I told my buddy, I was like, I thought this was all made up. He's like, Oh no, it's it's like a rite of passage to have a birthday at Casa Bonita. <laughs> it's just part of living in Colorado. Yeah. That's what he told me. Yeah, it's a rite of passage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the, so the same guy that you know told me about. No, that's a problem for future Bronson. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's from Colorado, and we go to Denver for work, and we go to Casa Bonita. And he is exactly like Cartman, just, I mean, just all beside himself excited that we're going to Casa Bonita. I'm like, oh, okay, I thought it was made up first off. Right. I was, he's like, oh, dude, it's, it's great. It's awesome. You're, you're going to have so much fun. And he's just going nuts all yeah. over the place. <laughs> <laughs> this is a grown like grown man on a work trip, you know? Like, it, it was like quite comical. Yeah. On a fly-in run. Right. So you got to warn people who have never been there. It's like, we're going to turn into a full-on 12-year-old kid with $50 that just... Oh, yeah. It's going to go bad here. Yeah, Was you're it? like psyching everybody. Okay, we're going to get in and out of here, all right? 
45 minutes later, you're standing at the checkout so line. You on, know? <laughs> on the way to Superfly, I was with Matt, and uh, I said, listen, we're going to go in here, and you're about to see, you, you know, imagine giving a 10-year-old 50 bucks and saying, do whatever the fuck you want to do. Yeah. That's what you're fixing to see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They got dried okra? What? <laughs> Dude, those dried green beans are pretty good. Absolutely, man. Oh. <laughs> uh, hey, so, last, before we get off the topic. Uh, when are those little battery? What are we calling those first well, off? And then when are, are they available? Bat, they're called bat airs. Okay. Um, and the uh, first batch of them has been shipped, and they're not on a boat. They're small enough that they're airshipping them. Oh, yeah. So we don't so, have to wait forever. Um, more than likely, two, three weeks from now, we'll have Nice. And where do you get those at? FortitudeRC.com. That's it. Hell yeah. Use code talking Welcome Back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back for what is it? Ten uh, percent off. Ten, okay. On the couldn't scrap pile. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I couldn't remember. Each one of our different affiliates has a little bit different percentage, so I right. kind of forget which is which. But um, so that's and pretty don't awesome. Just so order fun. one and use the discount code. Get a handful of those things. Well, after you get them, you're going to want a bunch, right? Oh yeah. Well, I got these samples, and it's pissing me off. I got. You got, got two. two. Batteries, you only got two. You know? Yeah. <laughs> this is cool, but I really like all of them to be on there. But, you know, that is what it is at this point. Yeah. They, uh, well, put me down for a handful. Sounds like the first shipment's already spoken for. Pretty much. He's got to line out all his batteries, and then they'll be for sale. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have that many lines. Get, yeah. How many? Uh, oh, it, it, you're talking on quite a few in the first shipment. Oh, it, I think it's like 350 or something like that. Oh, okay. So That won't last long, though. Every one of us has got. Oh, yeah. You know. I would say I need at least 10 to start with. Well, there you go. At least. That's, yeah. And now I think about it, I may need in the neighborhood of 10 or 15 myself. Right. And I am think 10 would get me started. Yeah. So at five bucks a piece, that's not going to be bad at all. No. 50 bucks to be able to keep up with monitoring your batteries. Your batteries are going to last a lot longer. You'll make your money back (laughs) in the first, you know, six months. Or even if it saves a plane where you look at it, it's like, ooh, that when it's not balancing like it used to or something like that. Right. Well, I mean, let's admit it. it. We're nerds. We like techie stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just, I mean, if for so, some reason, if you need to justify it, you can with, it's going to save an airplane at some point. Right. Yeah. I'm so nerdy. I'd probably the nerd, get them and put the them on nerd, all my batteries, and I'm looking at everything. Dude, I'm going to spend a day at that. You know? Yeah. Nerd part's fun. Yep. It is, but yep. <laughs> do you have to have them? Absolutely not. But do you have to fly model airplanes? No. This is not a hobby of need. Absolutely right. <laughs> so I really like. I don't know. I kind of need to. Uh, when they when they showed it to me and and they had a their YouTube video wasn't live yet, but it was like a private one. You could see if you mm-hmm. had to go. It's like, ooh, yeah, we're gonna need a few cases of these right away. <laughs> right, right. Dude, I, I'm a big fan of ISDT. All Ever right. since I discovered them, that's pretty much all I want to use now. Right, and then it makes it. It's just it's very affordable. It's super easy to use. I'll tell you the real game changer for me is whenever my son started flying. Mm-hmm. And he's got his drones. He's got more lipos than anybody I've ever seen. He's got shit everywhere. And it's dad's job to keep that crap charged. Well, with these, it'll do anything. So, I, you know, I made the leads to where, he, like, his trainer has NICAD batteries in it, the old school four-channel yep. glow point. It'll charge that. It'll charge his drone. It'll charge his car. It'll charge his RC excavator. It'll charge his 
Hang on, RC excavator. Yeah, you haven't brought this to a fun fly and let us oh, play with I, it yet. You got it for Christmas, so it's oh, really cool. it's new. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, been, it's been to the field. Oh, yeah, yeah. You need to bring it so that we can play with it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he took it to the field. I had three batteries for it, and the guys were all over him. He's like, you know, bring it over here and do that. And the next thing you know, he starts playing with his truck, and there goes the excavator. You know, they, all the old men were playing with it. Yeah. It is pretty fun. This isn't fun anymore. You guys play. I'm going to go over here. <laughs> I'm tired of doing what you want me to do. Yeah. <laughs> I I would enjoy it. Absolutely. It is fun to have all that variety of stuff. But the the reason I mention that is now with these chargers, I just bring one of those charger cases, and we can charge anything he's got. Yep. You know? And every toy he's got has got a different type of battery in it. Because a lot of that stuff, you know, is built specific to certain well, battery pack. And he's probably getting close to the age where you can teach him very easily how to use it, and he can do it himself. He does it, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Well, dude, those chargers are so simple. If you can't figure that out, you might. this is a wrong hobby for you. I have to agree with that. You know, if you can't operate these chargers, you're probably not going to be able to operate many things in the hobby anymore. Yeah, and please give me a call when you're driving. Because I don't want to be on the road with you. Just saying. If you can't figure out that charger. Oh. Okay. There's one guy listening out there that's like, it took fuck me. that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. If, if you don't know a guy like that, it's probably you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Highly likely it's you. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. So, let's talk about building airplanes. That's what it's I was going to say. It's the middle of winter. Raining yeah. outside. Yeah. Dude, speaking of that, we did get a lot of rain last night. Woke up and I was like, holy shit, it's wet outside. This is building season. Yeah. Yep. So, building. Which, listen to the scrap pile that comes out, because we're going to have a product reveal on that, too. Oh, yeah. Building project. But right now, we're going to talk general building. Yep. So, first off, do you have a scrap pile no matter what? Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I think most people that listen to this show listen to the scrap pile probably first, and then this one... I would say second. You know, it just depends when it, they drop. Mine's the mood. Yeah. Like if I'm. So if you want to go to if sleep. If I'm working, I, I listen. Yeah. To, <laughs> I listen to the scrap pile when I'm trying to get production shit done, because it makes you laugh and it makes the day go faster. Yeah. You know. But if you're in the mood of just building something or just listening to the techie stuff, this is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. But you definitely don't want to be all depressed and asleep. The scrap pile is way better for getting you snapping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you need to argue about in and out versus Whataburger, listen to the scrap oh, pile. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> what a so, he said, what a so, disaster. Okay. What are we building? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> We're uh, building a case that Whataburger is better uh, than in and out. I think we've already built and settled that case. Oh, absolutely. Hands down. Um, so here, let's start with you because. I've got a couple of yeah. ideas. Well, a couple you just things built, building, building you just built a table to put in the house to build on. That's right, and I'm not 100 percent finished with it yet. Um, so what I started out with is Casey hooked me up with two interior doors. They're solid red oak doors, not the hollow core. Oh, nice. Um, so I turned one of them into a build table for in the shop. The other one is going in the house because my shop's not heated. So are they raised panel ones or are they no, flat? They're flat. Okay, perfect. Yeah, they're dead flat. They're heavy as hell, um, but they're solid. I mean, they're they're good. They're straight, from what I can tell. Um, 
I just real simple, threw some legs on them. The one that's going in the house, I made the back legs taller, so it's going to have a little shelf above the table for tools, materials, what have you. And underneath the shelf, I'm going to mount a shop light so that in the room I'm working in, it has, I mean, obviously it has a little bit of light, but it's not adequate lighting. So I'm going to have a quite a bit of extra light, make it easier to work on stuff, what have you. So built that, and then I actually I sent you a message about what should I put on the top of the door. Oh, um, yeah. I've seen guys use uh, ceiling tiles, sheetrock. There's a uh, the Balsa Model, what is it? Balsa Model Builders Association, the Facebook group that's got forty thousand members. Yeah, um, I see a lot of guys There's building some good on drama on there, man. Just post that you like foam or electric and watch what happens. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> Um, but there's a quite a few guys coffee, building. That's a daily coffee drinking read for me is look at the feet on there and see what they're bitching about. I may or may <laughs> not have an alter ego where I go in there just to stir the pot. <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't take much. <laughs> no. It's, there you get fired up pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. So something that a lot of people ask on new builders, which you guys are, yep. is, you know, what kind of equipment do, do you need? Mm-hmm. And... Um, that deal that you just explained it's like you don't need all that crap you you have it it's nice it's awesome that you do but you don't have to have that to build an airplane you can literally build them on your kitchen table right it's not you know it'd be nice if you didn't have to do that but um don't let that intimidate you as far as barrier to entry of trying it you don't need much of a workshop to knock these things out and um Pulse USA has got a really cool video of like here's the bare minimum of what you know you need a knife and a saw and a mm-hmm. miter box and then it, pretty much anything after that's just convenience. Right. So I was planning on building on my kitchen table when Casey he called me and he said, "Hey, I've got these doors. Do you want them?" Yeah, that's, it's and, great. And if, so it was just really kind of like one of those failing, you know. If you re- after your first one, you're going to be like, "Oh, I'm probably will keep doing this, and you'll invest the time to you know do something more." Well, that was one of those deals. We went out. We went out to Reno, and we were out in Rod's shop, and he had. Oh, that's not a good one to compare your entry level to. Well, no, 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 no. But that's where the door idea came oh, from God. because he's using doors, you know, yeah. all set up and like a weird. And Clay's like, "That's a good idea." And then I'm at work, and we're getting rid of some doors. I'm like, "Hey, you want a door?" Perfect. Yeah. So it it was one of those that fell in my lap type I, situation. Otherwise, I, I would be doing like what you're saying. I'd be building on my kitchen table. Yeah. Well. the the reason I was saying that is don't the biggest thing with building is just do it. You yeah. know, not to copy Nike, but right. You really just need to do it. And you're going to screw it up. It's just wood. Yeah. You know, a lot of it can be fixed or recut and get it back to where it's, you'll be surprised at how crooked some of these arfs are that fly just fine until you start majoring on them. Yeah, you know, I mean the the high end ones are not, but there's a lot of them that are pretty sketchy, and they fly fine. I mean, well, yeah, we're not trying. You're not trying to build a world championship winning F3A pattern plane on your first build. Yeah, you're just trying to. Why build not? A, well, you can try, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's not. It's a happen, skill set. It? Yeah, <laughs> it's a skill set similar to flying. The, yeah, yeah, it. You got to find the bottom of the bucket start, of sawdust to start. You know, slow and easy, and work your way into where it gets harder and harder. Mm-hmm. So, 
with that being said, we we mentioned a few of the tools. What are so the basics are a saw, an exacto, um, a really good razor saw. You do have to have something flat to build on, mm-hmm. whether it's the kitchen table or if you can find even holocore doors are not that bad. If, if you find the uh, um, ones that don't have the panel, you know it's got to be flat. Mm-hmm. And with holocore, if you brace them enough with saw horses, you can keep them fairly flat. Mm-hmm. More than likely, that's what this is. Oh, that's plywood, but... Um, so, yeah, flat surface. Personally, I like to use a ceiling tile, like what, these drop ceiling like we have in here? Right, that's flip, probably flip, why some of those are missing. Flip them over. Yeah. <laughs> the back side of the, instead of the white, the back side of it's fairly uh, smooth. Okay. So, put the white side down. Yeah, put the, uh, you're saying like the, it's like more of a textury side or yeah, something. Yeah, there's less texture. It's smoother. Okay. Pretty side down. Pretty side down. Okay. T-pins go into that real easy and they hold plenty strong enough. Okay. And those things are cheap. You can get a whole pack of them for, Yeah, know, I think I bought a bundle of them for, yeah, 20 bucks for a whole bundle or yeah, something. It's They're not expensive. Get the four foot ones, like what would go, you know, in the yeah, yeah. sack. And then, you know, just put them together if you got an eight-foot table. So that, you got to have that. And then as far as tools, you need a really good X-Acto knife. Don't buy the cheap one. The, um, the, the rubber-covered handles is a good idea. It gives you a lot more control of the... I mean, I know what we just go with what we can find sometimes. But if you're going to go out to buy one, get one with rubber, rubber handles on it. So one Another thing I remember as a kid... Sorry. Go ahead, Casey. No, you go ahead. Well, the, when I was a kid, uh, sorry about that. Um, I seen a guy take the, uh, the the little grips that you put on pencils. They used oh, to make one that was like a triangle, and he would put those on his exactos to keep them from rolling off and going in his foot or his leg or whatever, just so that they wouldn't roll around on the table. Yeah, another give you another grip. Another easy trick for that, which I learned from my buddy Phil Perez, put a zip tie on that thing. And chop the end of it off. You lay it on the table, it won't roll off the table. It'll hit a zip tie. Yeah, that works too. Yeah, I've seen that pencil right uh, pencil holder mm-hmm. trick for the rubber covered handle Exacto knives. The the screw that tightens the blade in is actually square, so okay. it'll keep it from roll. That keeps yeah. it from rolling too. Mm-hmm. Those hobby knives we got from Legend Hobby are freaking serious. So speaking of that. Clint gave me that pack of Exacto blades up here the other day. It wasn't the same. I don't think they're the same either. No, because I use some of oh, those. those ones that Thomas or how do you say Tomas. Tomas? Tomas. He's one of my dealers. I should know how to sell his, say his name, but those. Uh, I won one of those at a fly-in somewhere and used it accidentally at the flying field. I'm like, dang, this is it's serious. Hey, I I won, nice. um, and they're not expensive either. He's, mm-hmm. That's the place to get that stuff. Oh yeah, I uh, I won one at Superfly, and uh, we were working on something down at my shop. Casey and me were, and uh, we got it out, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is sharp!" And it was much sharper than my other Exactos. We were up here talking about it the other day, and Clint gave me a pack, and he's like, "Oh, these are the same." No, they're not. No, they're not. I don't know where right, Tomas well, gets them, but they're incredible. Well, good for him. So. Go to Legend Hobby. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Get some fuel tanks while you're there. Yeah. Damn it. Sorry. Actually, Legend Hobby has pretty much anything you need to deck out an airplane. He's a 
well stocked. Oh yeah, guy. Well stocked. Um, so you need an exacto knife. You need a razor saw to cross cut sticks with. Which uh, we actually bought one of those today at the hobby shop. Yep. I did. Um, you don't have to have this, but those little miter boxes um, really help too. Uh, the it's got like ninety forty five, and I think the one you bought has a. 33 and a half or something yeah i think it, it was a couple it's others got, i didn't pay attention yeah, to what it was the, but usually it's 90 and 45 is the ones you need but um that combo that you got was the same price as just about with the saw itself so yeah i think it was like maybe three or four bucks more yeah totally worth it mm -hmm. and here's a trick this is a gospel like uh, um which kind of oil is better oh yeah you so can have an argument about this forever, but how do you protect the plants? Uh, that's a good question. Okay. Because I really don't know. So there's two ways that work exceptionally well. One is the back backing of Monaco. Okay. Clear plastic. Mm -hmm. See, it does not stick to that at all. There's one slight problem. If you haven't built an airplane before, you don't have any of that Monaco backing. Yeah. Right. The other thing that works exceptional is parchment paper. Okay. For baking. Yep. Yeah. It looks like it's not clear, but when you put it on the on the drawing, you can see right through it. And it's coated in vegetable oil. Yeah, so it doesn't nothing stick. Nothing sticks to that either. Oh, it's great for baking. It, Part, it's yeah. helped me to not burn a lot of stuff. But parchment paper works exceptionally well. Um, some people argue, well, you're getting oil in the wood. I'm sure it's so minimal that it's really not that um, big a deal, right? By the time you sand it to be ready to cover, it's. I think it's one way or the other. I've done both, but what if you if when you do cover your plane, keep that Monaco backing because mm -hmm. it does work really well. And okay. If you don't have any parchment paper, works exceptionally well to you. Wax paper, garbage. Okay. Worthless. Well, that was going to be my next question: is what about wax paper? Absolutely worthless. CA sticks to that stuff is almost as good as balsas. It's insane how okay. crappy that stuff. Just shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing is I've got parchment paper at home already, so right, that makes it easy. Yeah, wax. I, it, I don't know why. Maybe something that you know, somebody folklore. It, it seems like something happened 60 years ago that that got into the system where you use wax paper, but it doesn't work. Okay. Well, I'm pumped up right now because, man, I, dude, I work with vinyl and window tint, and a lot of it's got a clear protective cover. I'm going to have that stuff for days now. Yeah, that all that works. Yep. Even drop cloth, like from Lowe's for mm -hmm. painting, yep. any of that uh, Mylar stuff, the CA doesn't stick to it. Mm -hmm. If I got a real small one, you just take those poly bags that all your stuff comes in, the like the fuel tank bags, cut that thing open. It doesn't stick to that plastic either. Okay. Any of that poly um, clear sheeting, the monocoat stuff is the best, which you're right, that some of that 3M vinyl has yep. on the back of it too, or yep. window tint. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the next question would be, what do you do with the plans? Do you, how, you take those, so you lay those out on your build surface. Well, if you're a really pro, you just throw that shit away. Oh, yeah? Okay. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I'm not real pro, so I'm going to lay the plans out. <laughs> yep. Then you lay the 
the parchment paper or monocoat backing on top of that, pin it all most, down. Most of the plans are usually either folded or rolled up, right? Uh-huh. So if they're folded, you got creases in it everywhere. If it's rolled, it wants to keep rolling itself back up. One of the easy ways is just to hang them from, the, from your garage door or something for like a week before you start on it. Okay. Because as soon as you get it, uh, take those paper clips and just let gravity kind of get some of that out of there okay especially the rolled ones a lot of times you can roll it up backwards yeah reverse roll it yeah reverse roll it because um, that gets frustrating really quick yeah so what about copying them i've heard a lot of people talk about taking your plans and going to copying copying the plans you can do that at like kinko's or fedex um mm-hmm. anybody that has a large format printer but i've never done it i've always just built right on them yeah. So you kind of, you don't want to hang on to the plans afterward and maybe scratch build off of those or anything like that? Oh, well, you, you definitely can. Uh, um, the You're not going to ruin them if you put the right cover on there, which we just discussed. Okay. Well, I, I just was going off of putting holes in them and stuff like that oh, with pins and what have you. That doesn't matter. It, your shapes are all still going to be there. And I've seen some guys you know it go either way but some of them cut the plans up so say like you got a yeah, tail a section lot of, a lot of times the way that they draw especially some of the sport planes like 60 40 size stuff mm-hmm. uh if you're in a restricted building area it's easier to cut the wing out and do just the wing and then you know do the fuselage separate you don't have as much paper everywhere basically right yeah, well, one of them I seen it was uh, like a tail section on just a trainer, and they cut the horizontal off and just had it on a little surface and was building the, the stab and mm-hmm. everything like that. Depending on what airplane it is, sometimes you, they kind of have that factored in to where if you want to do the wing panel, the wing panel may be too big to fit on one sheet. So there'll be like, you know, part A and B, and you got to tape it together mm-hmm. to get the whole wing panel. Like that Goldberg Cubs that way, if you want to clip wing it, there's a, a plan where it shows, you know, join these two. Essentially, you're just moving the wing in. Oh, I see. To clip it. So you clip the plans together in a different spot, For depending different on which wing. Span. Yeah. Okay. I so got that, you. that's kind of, don't be scared to do that for sure. If if you want the original plan, obviously you're going to need to copy them, but I can't even, I've, I've been doing this for forever and I don't think I've ever got the plan back out of a broken plane. Cause you got all the parts. Yeah. You might maybe once or twice, just look at it to see, you know, but once they're built, it's kind of like repairing an ARF. You really don't need the plan. Yeah. Back where it was. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And if you've built very many of them, you probably know generally what it needs to be anyway. Exactly. Um, so what kind of adhesives do you typically Oh, glue? here we go. This is the red line versus the, <laughs> you know, whatever. Well, I'm not talking about brands. I'm talking about. Oh, no. It's it's heated on what glue works the best. Oh, yeah. Oh, Ambroids versus Zaps the best. Oh, wait, no. Bob Smith Industries. Well, yeah. Well, I think we're talking it's about. It's kind of like Kleenex versus. Oh. Yeah, this is a good one for that group if you really want to throw some fire in the gasoline. No, yeah. <laughs> so, some of the best flying airplanes that I've had, or some of my friends have built, you can build the whole thing with CA. 
I've heard that, that. That is a very old school. Now, what do you what do you want to call it? Like this is just the way we always did it, type thing with the epoxy. Oh yeah, epoxy does have its place. Don't get me wrong; it really does. But if it's a wooden airframe, you can do everything with CA if you use the right viscosity CA in the right places. Okay. You can build the whole thing with CA, and it'll be just fine. And we were building. Um, my buddy Bob Sawyer, he he's built several 45, 50, 60% airplanes with nothing but CA. He even glued the, the cows together with CA. Like It's shocking at how good CA really is as a glue. There are some downsides to it. A lot of people are allergic to CA. Yeah. And if you're not, if you do enough building, you will be. It It is very... Um, adjective to your sinuses i know like i have a i've got a few whiffs of it every and it seems like thin is more oh this is, is the worst because when it goes off it gases really bad yeah it burns my eyes yeah, yeah. for sure I, I definitely notice it with thin i don't really notice it so much with medium and i don't use thick so so if you're gluing two pieces of balsa together ca works no matter what you don't have to worry about that um when you're going plywood to plywood that's where some of the epoxies can be stronger because it takes it soaks in longer. As long as you're not using this, a lot of the hardware store grade epoxy, that stuff's garbage. Yeah, you got to use some lose good, a, like a Bob shit. Smith or a Zap um, or so. And the thinner the and the longer it takes to set up, the stronger it's going to be. Yeah. So you want it to soak into the fibers of the wood. So you, like an engine box, where you're going to the landing gear plate into the engine box if that's plywood to plywood ca does work but epoxy is right in that realm where it is marginally stronger so where uh, what about like wood glues like tight bond uh tight bond works well balsa to balsa also okay but there's like five different versions of Type Bond. There's Type Bond Original, and then there's Type Bond Two. And Type Bond Three for sure. Yeah, Three is the waterproof stuff. Yeah, Three um, I don't think is really suited for model building. It's no, more like I, woodworking type stuff. I've got Type Bond Original and Type Bond Two in the shop, and um, I think that Type Bond Two is a little stronger. Okay. And it tacks up faster too. Um, Where but, would you use that at though? Honestly, with with uh, with stick fuselage construction or like the tail of horizontal, if it's all built up out of sticks, works real well there. Where the joints, where you need a uh, kind of like a fillet in between each mm-hmm. joint, it, they work really good there. So uh, Bernard, he built that uh, peat and pole, mm-hmm. and I I was over at his house and uh, he used thin CA and medium CA for the bulk of the build. But uh, this was not on the peat and pole, this particular thing he showed me, but it was a gear blocks, like on a, say like a Tiger II or something where the gear's mounted in the wing. Mm-hmm. And it just had a little uh, block of uh, like spruce that yeah, the uh, wire gear went into. Gear, uh, it's a routered slot in there. Right. And he had glued that into the plane with tight bond. And I asked him about that. I said, well, why don't you use tight bond here and CA here? And he said, well, the tight bond's a little stronger. As what it he doesn't, said. It but. doesn't get as brittle. Okay. It stays a little bit rubbery. 
Um, so it has a little bit of give to it. And then if you're doing sticks to stick and you got basically a bud joint, if you coat the tight bond on the end of the stick before you put it, you know, before you put them together, it, it, it does work really well. And it gives you time to position it too. Yeah. The other thing and nice about tight bond, it's a hell of a lot easier to sand. Okay. Sanding CA is a bitch because it's a lot harder than the wood. Mm-hmm. So the wood around it just d- disappears and the glue is still there. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> well, and that brings up something that I'm thinking is don't go crazy with excessive glue, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, I, I see that some, a lot. One of the huge hints right off the bat is think about covering the airplane as you're building it. So anywhere where there's going to be covering, do everything you can to not get glue there. So if you have that in your head the entire time you're building the airplane, that helps tremendously. Is don't let the glue get, even if it does, get it wiped off before it sets up. That way you just got a thin film you got to sand off. So one of the, the things I see, and I'm, I'm guilty of this, especially when I was first in the hobby, is take two pieces together and then put glue over the top. When actually you should take the two pieces apart, put the glue between the two pieces, right? Yeah, with... With CA, it's thin enough. It'll wick in there usually, but, um, yeah. With tight bond, you have to get the glue in between the, the two pieces or it's not doing anything. Right. Same thing with epoxy for that matter, too, really. Most people where they get in trouble with building is they put so much glue. They think more glue stronger is not. Once you get the bond established, more glue is just more weight. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, well, that doesn't weigh anything. Well, when you do it 78 times in the tail, all of a sudden you got to, you know, you need a pound of nose weight to get it to balance. You know, the airplane might only be an ounce heavier, but if it's all the way in the ass on that long moment arm, you end up, and also, every, think about this, every single stick or anything you put in there weighs something. Is there's a way to make it lighter? Because a lot of these kits were built back when they were all extra woods makes it stronger look at these extreme flight airplanes we're flying there's nothing you take the canopy off and you can see yeah, right through them there's right. nothing there yeah it's all about the way it's constructed the yeah. the bracing and the way everything's put together so like solid ribs i'm using this as an example because there's a stack of them right there so those need a date with a hole saw bad yeah, you know. date with a hole saw. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, a perfect example is uh, the ribs that uh, Rod sent pictures of yep. to us. You know what he I'm he sure literally that is really dialed. Oh, they're uh, they're basically truss like oh, uh, like okay. a truss of like a house. Yeah. Um, he actually built his own ribs. Mm. He didn't cut them out. Uh, or he scratch building right. Mm. What did he do? Go. He went and bought plywood or something and yeah, ripped he, really thin strips of plywood. And, then and he, laminated it all together. Well, yeah. he, he built it up like a truss, but it's the plywood's like wide, so the ribs are really wide. Oh, okay. Yeah. This dude went to Home Depot and bought wood to build an airplane. Yeah, he built well, a he made a jig, and then he laid these strips of plywood in this jig and glued it up. And that's what he made his ribs out of. It was that's pretty ingenious. They, yeah, it looks good. Have you seen some of these full scales that are built out of wood? Oh yeah, it's the same way they do it with full scale. That's right, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's using that same construction method, mm-hmm. just in a third scale cub. So well, that'll be cool. And That's would, one of those when you get it done, it's a shame you got to cover it. 
Yeah. Because it looks so badass. Oh, yeah. But better dude, airframe, you know. Rod's been sending us. I mean, he, it, what's amazing about it is, like Casey said, he's he went to Home Depot, bought lumber, basically, and he's, you know, I guess he had a stack of other wood there or something like that, too. But he started scratch building this airplane, and like two days later, he's got a fuselage knocked out. This dude's just, he's knocking out a scratch built faster than most people build ARFs, and it's awesome. Right. And it, is, it looks incredible in the pictures. I know it seems really impressive, and it is, but it, you'd surprise yourself at how fast you can actually build one. one. Once you understand where you're going and have kind of checked the boxes of, okay, now it's time to hammer it out, you can knock them out pretty fast. Well, um, we're, we're talking about a guy, too, that's got years of experience I building some that. awesome stuff. Yeah, right. for sure. Well, that just shows you that, you know, when you can get to that skill level. Well, I mean, it's like you said earlier, he got started. Yeah. And now he's there. That's the biggest deal. Buy a kit. Probably one of the hardest things that I listen to with people is they say, um, well, I don't have time to build a kit. I'm like, I promise you, you waste enough time a day to get a kit built in a month. Instead of jacking around on your phone or whatever, sit. you're not going to do it all at once. It's like small goals. He's talking to me right now. He's talking to me. Well, well yeah, <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this after you, he gets done. If you can find 30 minutes to just say, okay, I'm just going to build the elevator. And the next day you build the rudder and then the stab. And then and the next thing you know, you got a pile of parts that all you got to do is put together and you have an airplane. It literally takes like a couple of weeks and it's done. Well, I've heard of guys with some of the trainers and stuff like that, you know, planes that were designed to be built fast, build them overnight. Oh, you, if you know what you're doing, you're going to really hammer them out. Like a Cadet LT-40, Dan Landis and Mean Joe built one at the trade show in Toledo, like as the show was going on, had it covered and everything, ready to fly. So I had always heard that that was a thing. Uh, Top Flight had the contender and uh, that that was Isn't one that of the... a control line airplane? No. Oh, I thought it was a... No, it's a 40-size, uh, low-wing. Oh, okay. No, it was a... Like a Zig 4-star 40, a... Um, or like those uh, those trainers that Boss USA is selling with the boom stick. Yep. Oh, yeah, the one Clint built, yeah. <clears throat> yep. Oh, I, I bet we could build one of those in about four hours. Yeah. Well, that was the supposedly yeah. the selling point on the contender. This is coming from a guy in my club, was that... Uh, it was designed to be built very quick and that they top flight would have a guy like say at Toledo, something like that and build it during the show sitting there building it on the table. If you look at some of the, well, that's a different subject. We'll, we'll cover that in a minute. Yeah. We'll, we'll circle back. <laughs> um, Listen to him. He's like the white house secretary over oh, here. We'll gee. circle back. We'll circle back. <laughs> yeah. No, no politics, Clay. Sorry. I hate to be the rule guy here, but. You are a stickler for the rules, aren't you? No. Since when? (laughs) The only rules he knows about is the one we broke. Yeah. So that is something that is aggravating is I think that it's amazing to have a project go on all the time. Like I'm not a diehard build guy because I've done it so many times, and now we can just have these cool planes right out of the box and fly them at the same field. You know, like the RV8s. I've got, I've on number two, I've never even touched one. I don't even know how to put one together. You know, we just take it out of the box and tag team, and the next thing you know, it's done. You know, I think I put the wheels on that new one. 
Well, usually you let somebody else fly it. They tear it up. Well, and so then they get you another one. And then it's like. That doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got to make sure you know who you're letting loose right. on the sticks, you know? Yeah, like when I was flying it, if I'd have wasted it, you'd probably been out an RV8. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, I know. But I was yeah. being cool. Yeah. So the. Uh, it browned out, man. I don't know what happened. No. Yeah. <laughs> not possible no you're right yeah browned outs when you shit your pants yeah that's that's what happened (laughs) that particular flying was browned out with all that damn mud oh gosh that's a tangent we don't need to go down yeah so that was the theme of 2021 let's see how much shitty weather we can have it flying it sure made for a good time though oh yeah it was great it's like woodstock all over again yeah (laughs) Without, <laughs> complete with sleeping on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we had hippies, we had everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, don't let the time excuse hit you. Just have one working. Don't uh, don't put a timeline on it. Just work on it. Every time that you got, when you find yourself wasting time, work on that instead of wasting time. Trust yeah, me, yeah, you're dude. not going to miss anything. Turn the. Um, Turn the podcast on, listen to a podcast. Podcast is good. Radio, just something, background noise. Yeah, the leading cause of missing a deadline is making a deadline. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So So if you do that and you break it down into segments like, you know, let's just worry about finishing the tail. If you look at it like, oh, my God, it's going to take me months to get to where I can actually fly this thing, you're never going to get it done. It's too much of a mountain. you got to go a little bit at a time. And depending on what kit you're starting with, that may only take you a week. Yeah. So it's the old saying, how do you eat an elephant? A little bit at a time. Tail first. Tail first. (laughs) Yeah. So actually, that's 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 the reason the grizzly bears um, and the wolves and shit, they eat the animals from the ass for up because they stay alive longer, keep the meat fresh. Oh, that's not gruesome at all. Well, it's, it's amazing what can tear a family apart. Like a pack of rabid wolves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so when you're building airplanes, do you like to start with the wing or the fuselage, or do you have any okay, set that's, pattern? That's a great idea. Depends on what kind of airplane it is. Okay. So your typical all balsa sport kit, you need the wing to build the fuselage. Okay. Because it's easier to wind everything up and make sure that it the saddle that. Not long into the step of the fuselage, you're going to need the wing to mount it to put the mounts in and all that type of stuff. So in general, most of the time, the directions will tell you to build the wing first. Okay. Uh, So the flying surfaces do the wing and the tail because you need those to go on the fuse as you're building it. So that brings up a question that I've got, and I don't want to get, I don't want to forget it. Uh, When building a kit or, I'm sorry, my phone's going off again. So, with a kit... Is uh, that your uh, arrangement nah, for later? No, nah, it's a spam call. Dark yeah. uh, dark arts? Dark arts. No. Larry would go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Unfortunately not. But Reindeer. Reindeer. With uh, setting the incidences on the wing and tail. Okay. Is that something you normally have to do with a kit, or is that a scratch build thing? If or it's what? a well-known kit, it's already in there. Okay. Um, Goldberg not around anymore but like the ones that are around balsa usa zig old school model works make some really nice kits now um most of them they show it on the plan just in case you do want to double check it but most of them they've already got it figured out and it's built into the like they cut it into the 
fuselage side or or if you just like a cadet senior the fuselage is all sticks as long as you build it right on top of the plan it's going to put the right incidents in it okay so you don't have to worry about it quite as much with the popular kits as maybe the with popular the ones they've got it dialed yeah. okay it's shocking it, it it would blow you away at how much time those manufacturers putting in to make sure those airplanes fly good on yeah. the first try um but like that little trainer what are those stick 40s the balsa usa i think that's that mean joe yeah uh got you guys hooked up with that one's it's built in you just build that box and it's gonna i'm not sure clint even built his on top of plans did he you probably don't have to if it's laser cut i mean i know uh, some of the laser cut kits now like they just if you just on the fuselage they're, they're, i don't even bother looking at the drawing what are they like basically laser. tabs and slots and you just line it up and throw some glue on it and it's Get done it as square as you can you know that's the key Make sure the firewall is straight. If the firewall straight, whatever's behind it will come along straight usually. Right. Yeah. So that's a great question. There's one other one that, that can really drive you crazy, which goes with the time thing, is if you're building an airplane that has foam sheeted parts, so like the wing is foam, there are some fairly still entry-level kits that do use those, um, like a Zig cougar the 60 size pattern planes sheet the foam first because it's a pain in the ass takes forever it seems like it you work it's one of those that you work on it for a couple hours and it looks exactly the same as when you started even though it's you know you got the sheeting on or whatever but a few like a fuselage you can work on that two hours and you go from a box of sticks to you've got a fuselage yeah it's a lot more rewarding so do the wing do the sheeted foam first before you uh, one of them this is a drastic example but like i'm working on a cardin cap right now cardin airplanes are pretty much like 70 percent of the foam the turtle deck and the tail and the wings it's all foam i've been working on it for a couple months and all i got piles of sheeted foam mm -hmm. all the airfoils done and some of the guys were over at the Christmas party that we had at the RC club. I had a Christmas party in my house, and they're like, I thought you'd been working really hard on that. I'm like, that airplane's 80% complete, but there's no fuselage. I'm like, I'm not worried about the fuselage. I can build the fuselage in one six-pack. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so that uh, you, you mentioned the SIGs, uh, and Casey and I talked about the SIG Ninja the yep. other day, and it has a foam wing. Um so I, I was looking at that one uh, Dude, along with the Cougars. That's an awesome slope flyer. Man, well, they, it, with the wind you got around here, you wouldn't need that much hill to right. really have some fun with that. Oh, yeah. Well, you guys have a video. Yeah, you and video. Lance, right? Yep. Me and Lance went out and ripped one up pretty proper. So I was looking at that. That kit's like right, right around 100 bucks, mm -hmm. And uh, it's a foam wing. And uh, I looked through the manual for it just to see kind of what they were showing. But they were showing taking the balsa and laying it on your surface and then putting the adhesive on there and then kind of rolling the wing over that okay well that works but that airplane isn't that heavy okay so structure wise the strongest you can make foam sheeted wings and tail or whatever is to get the get the sheeting prepped get it all sized out and 
glue each edge glue each piece together with tight bond. Um, you get a syringe from like Tractor Supply or whatever. They've got shitloads of them. And you just run a small bead of glue down each one and you uh, take masking tape and make a hinge. So masking tape on each seam, flip the sheet over and just hang it over the edge of the table and edge glue every piece. Okay. And remember what I said, worry about covering the entire time. So whichever side is going to be on the end towards the foam, make sure that the masking tape is on the outside. So the masking tape keeps the glue from getting where the covering is going to be. Okay. So you're doing them backwards, mirror image, basically. Um, And then foam sheeted wings, 99% of them come with uh, shucks. So there's a top and bottom, and then the, the wing is in the middle where they hotwired it. I'm sure you've seen Jason hotwire. Oh, yeah. Know, the piece that's left over, you need that. That's what you use to smash it all together. And, and to hold, to basically make the wood stay in, yeah, tied yeah. against the foam. Exactly. So put that on a flat, as flat as you can, the surface. You can sheet it with polyurethane glue or a real thin epoxy like West Systems or uh, uh, finishing resin type stuff. Mm-hmm. It's got to be thin though. The longer it takes to set up, the better. And the more weight you get on it, the better. So foam wings is a, is a little tricky. It's No more encyclopedias to weigh stuff down. Thanks, Internet. You know what I did on the, on the carton? I went, to, uh, I went to Lowe's and I bought 15 cinder blocks. <laughs> right. And I put That's in, some serious weight. I put MDF on top of the shucks to, you know, get it all lined up, get it glued, stick it down, put the MDF on there, and there's as much, just stack it as high as you can get it on there. And then when you get done, take them back to Lowe's, get your money back. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> take them back to Lowe's. I did. Uh, That's how I ended up with my first camera, is I bought a really badass Canon camera for a vacation I was going on. And Sam's has this amazing return policy, right? So you used it and then took it back? Well, I was going to, but I liked it so much I kept it. But oh, that was my plan. I was that's like, That's a bit of a dick move. Yeah. It's, it, they're center blocks. The guy's going to be able to use them. Well, why wouldn't they be able to use a camera? I treat well, it, Well, right? it's got 70,000 shutter hits on it in two months. Yeah, it's fall full of sand from going to the beach. Those are rookie numbers. Eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, so speaking, anyway, yeah. on, the, on the foam... Don't be scared of it, but weight's good. And also, polyurethane glue—you got to have water. If it, if you live in a in a dry climate, water is what sets that stuff off. If we don't really have that problem here, yeah, it's humid. But if you're living somewhere where it's not humid, you've got to uh, at least moisten the foam, or it won't go off. Well, would you like take a spray bottle and mist it, or anything it like can, that? But I mean, you don't want it wet. You just want it damp. Okay. There's usually enough. Um, moisture in the air to set it off, mm-hmm. but like the guys in Arizona, that is not going to cut it. You have to, you have to have something to help it. Yeah, maybe like a what would could you if you were building say in this room run like a humidifier? Yeah, it it really depends. You, I highly recommend experimenting. Mm-hmm. Like get you some foam and some balsa and do sample cores before you do the real one. 
just so you can all you got to do is grab some styrofoam out of some packaging and just glue balsa to it until you figure out what combination works the best and literally peel it off and see how thick the beads are that you're yanking off the foam okay that way you know it 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 really helps to keep the glue to a minimum you got to have enough glue but too much makes it heavy and not any stronger so there's a delicate balance there making sure you get enough glue on the sheeting to where it sticks the foam exceptionally well but it's not you know you're not adding a pound of weight to each wing panel Mm -hmm. would you use like gorilla glue or anything like that gorilla glue um yes it works exceptionally well for putting the hard points in gorilla glue is polyurethane glue okay it sets up fast though it's only like a three or four hour so it works real good for like the the plywood to bolt the wing to the fuselage your servo trays the control horn uh, block Mm -hmm. that type of stuff but for the sheeting if you want to use polyurethane glue you want to use elmer's because it takes like 12 hours for that set up so it just lasts longer it goes down in the foam further yeah okay casey you look uh antsy over here no okay i'm just trying to think ahead of stuff Oh, so okay. there's less problems for future Casey. Oh, gotcha. I'll, I'll catch you all later. All right. <laughs> we have bored you to death, huh? Oh, man, I was dozing off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's not our target audience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I told you guys you can't be depressed. No. And all down to listen to this crap. Yep. Oh, it is what it is. I really enjoy building airplanes. I have since I was a you know, I, I think the first one I built, I was nine years old or something like that. I've always got at least one of them in some stage of construction. I've so, got planes in two stages, wasted and going to be. Well, yeah. the kids are the same way. They just <laughs> right. haven't quite got there yet. Right. So the I'm trying to think of some other questions kids, I had. When you uh, when you're building a well-known kit, if you just follow the instructions and don't overthink it, the biggest thing once again is just do it. Is and don't be scared that you're yeah you're gonna screw up a couple pieces, but more than likely you can cut another one. Um, so by that thought process, so should you go get something like a trainer or something easy to start with or? Like, I really got a thing for Box, the, uh, the... The fuselage is probably the most intimidating part to a new builder. Um, building something like the, the Taylor Craft that we got sitting here on the bench. Yep. That would be a bitch as a new um, builder because there's so many curves and right. sheeting here and stringers down the turtle deck and all that stuff. You want to start with something that's kind of boxy. Okay. You know, traditional model airplane looking. Right. You know, so, if Hollywood was like gonna pick a stock photo of a model airplane right it's clearly not a full you know it's not model off a of full scale right those are the easier ones to build and the reason why a lot of those airplanes look like that is because they were originated as kits that were easy and fast to put together right so like, uh, like a four star 40 is one of the most popular iconic airplanes ever mm-hmm. it is the same rib pattern all the way across straight wing right no sheeting on the leading edge um the tail is just slab balls of wood so you don't even have to build that you just sand the hinge line and round right. the corners and it's done 
all that stuff was designed to make it fast and easy to build. Right. You can make it fly a hell of a lot better by building up the tail and make it lighter and that type of thing. But, oh, and the fuselage is just a box, and then they put a little turtle deck and a canopy, slap a canopy on top of it. It's right. all super easy stuff. But, yes, you're right. That That is what you want to start with because you're going to have success. What about, like, size-wise? Like, I've kind of got the hots for, like, a Sig Rascal 110. Would that oh, be yeah, would no, that, that be a bad yeah. build to start with? No, not really. That one's pretty, pretty straightforward. Size really doesn't matter. In all honesty, the bigger it is, the easier it's to build too. See, I if like you, that. If you have the room, right? You know, don't let the size intimidate you at all. Yeah, the the smaller ones are actually sometimes harder because they're just so so limited in there. And you know, you got to squeeze these servos, figure out where. The hardest part with the big one's figuring out where to mount it. On the little one, it's like, how do I get it squeezed in there? Right. So you I've know? built quite a few of like the uh, EPP foamies with all the little carbon bracing and all that mm-hmm. stuff like that. Is it going to be a vast difference from that? Other than I know I got to cut wood and things like the that. The material but... that you're using is, you know, carbon is very consistent. It's the same all the time. And right. Different glue and that type of thing. But no, it's it's similar, you know. So if I can put one of those together, I'm probably going to have decent luck starting out. Yeah I, would, yeah, I would say so, for sure. The, the I'm just running through my head of some of the easier ones. Most of the kits are, in. if you're getting an engineered kit where you're buying, you know, a kit, it's, they've done a pretty good job of making <coughs> it fairly simple. Right. So I'm actually starting with the Goldberg Equal 2. That's what I'm planning oh, on doing. That's easy. And There's I figured that was a real easy plane to build starting out with. Ugly sticks are another one that was super popular that they're easy to build too. But right. it's just a box and a wing. Right. You yep. know? And damn, they fly good. They they hold up to their name. They're ugly as shit, but they are fun. Right. <laughs> so what's uh, – do you know of any – kits that are still kind of out there because uh like the ugly stick i don't think it's available no. not the great planes at least the great planes isn't but there there are some um old school model works old school model works yeah. has a lot of redone really? classic kits like they got the old world models uh, robin hood that airplane is awesome they got a 25 size one and they got a, a big one like a about like that size um 85 90 inch mm-hmm. that's a really good one and it's easy to put together so i looked through sig's website and most all those were still available yeah zig stuff's available um they're running a little behind right now they're not super easy to get a hold of hopefully they will be i know they're really trying to ramp that production back up i bought some new machinery and there's a guy that's reviving it that knows what he's doing so i think that supply chain problem will probably dry up here pretty soon okay um balsa usa has a few starter ones like they got a smoothie 40 that is basically just they send you a block and you sand the shape (laughs) it's not a we used to make fun of it it literally is you know just three or four blocks of balsa and you carve out your own boat (laughs) nice because when you'd see them, you couldn't even recognize them because everybody was different. Depending, 
because why would they all be the same? We're right. all starting with blocks, you know. Right. So Balsa USA has a, a quite a few, and oh, uh, some of their newer ones are awesome. I'm not slamming Balsa USA at all, but the that particular kit was yeah, it was pretty crude. Well, I was looking at their third scale Cub because I I, I, I would be for Cub would be cool too. Yeah, but uh, that's the best flying one. The Balsa USA Cubs fly really well. I, I had a Balsa USA quarter scale and I, I enjoyed it, but I was I don't know why, but I've always had a thing for third scales and just run a little bit bigger motor mainly. But uh, <laughs> bigger uh, flies better. Yeah. The um, the answer to your question about kits, though, there are several um, niche companies that are out there that are kidding airplanes if you like sailplanes peter goldsmith's got some incredible sailplane kits that are, check that out um really nice Real, i mean really nice and they're he he knows how to engineer them to make them as easy to build as you can he's got some killer ones and they're all balsa built well not i think he's got a couple of composite ones but the starter ones are you know balsa framed up that's it. Next week, you're going to see me vacuum bagging Kevlar, dude. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uh, oh, mustache models, they got a beaver. Mustache models? Yeah, it's beaver. David. I, yeah, never, I was going to say, that's I'm not our you know. I'm going to butcher his name, but it's David Einstick or something like that. He used to work for, he was a big wig at Horizon for a long time until he said, you know, I'm out. Right. But he kitted one. It's. He's got a handlebar mustache, so he just called it mustache models. But nice. It's a 30cc uh, de Havilland Beaver, and he's got a flow kit for it. It's a bitch in airplane. Yeah. There's a couple guys in San Antonio area or Houston area that have them. Hopefully, they bring them to our super float. But man, it's a good looking airplane. He's missing some marketing there, I think. <laughs> Maybe you need to get in touch with him I, there, I, Casey. Well, the only reason I say that, man, is like, I don't know. You Fly your beaver on my mustache ride. <laughs> Take a mustache ride on a beaver. Yeah, like, dude. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. He, sorry, I went scrap pile for a yeah. second. My bad. Well, David went overboard on the engineering of it. I mean, it's just a beaver, and I mean, he really—it's a nice kid. So there's a bunch of them like that. Those are ones that just come to mind. Cause I love me a nice on. beaver. Well, hopefully we can get a few of them wet down at Superflow. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. It never ends, Clay. Don't worry. This Full is Full circle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You need to get I love what you do on that on buttons, and we can put it through the PA. And yeah. Everybody. Oh, well, well, yeah. <laughs> that will happen. That will happen. Well, he quit saying it as much oh, when, when we started busting his balls. Around. His memory's short. He'll come back around. Well, so he used to talk about his green D7 that goes straight up, and we started busting his balls about it, and he quit saying it. Well, we'll come up with something new. Yeah. He, man, he's a he's a real... He comes up with something all the time. <laughs> all the Just, time. Oh, got a little life in the way. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. So the... Um, you guys got any... Oh, what about the cover? We were talking about covering. Oh, yeah. Um... We were talking about, or I asked you uh, when we were at the hobby shop, what do you prefer, monocoat or ultra coat? And uh, you kind of had uh, some insight on which to which way to go, and and then um, 
one of the main tricks that we were talking about was uh, how to keep it tight. Yeah. Both of those coverings work really well. Um, personally, I prefer monocoat over ultra coat, but that's because I've been doing it forever. And it, monocoat drawbacks are it's harder to apply. It's harder to apply properly, I should say. But when you get done, it la- it is shiny. It looks like it's hand rubbed lacquer, basically, if you do it right. And the sun does not mess with it. Like it does not wrinkle at all if you put it on properly. My ultra coat, easier to put on. Um, it's a little bit heavier. It's not as shiny. So ultra coat is heavier than monocoat. Yeah, it depends on what certain colors. Interesting. I actually would have thought it was the other way around. Monocoat's pretty light. Okay. Uh, there, it's it's a non. It, it's a wash. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you're going to be counting for for just building airplanes. It doesn't make that much difference. Yeah. But you, the, you can get it heavier or lighter in other areas. Exactly. So the ultra coat is not as not as shiny. It's a lower temperature. The seams do seem to creep over time. With pun, ultra coat. Pun intended, I guess. But the uh, where the color lines come together, you know, you got white and blue or white and black overlap. Those those you can see if you look at your airplane over years flying of a lot of sun, you can see the glue line. Where but it that used is to be the covering is shrinking mm-hmm. and the glue's still there. Right. Monocoat, once it's fused together, it's together forever. Yeah. That's not moving. Yeah, it's the one that you don't want to take off. Yeah, once it touches each other, that's it. That's it's not coming back apart. Mm-hmm. But um, so <laughs> the learning curve on monocoats are harder. But when you get done, your finished product is, I feel, in my opinion, it, way better. It looks nicer, lasts longer, covering doesn't creep. So. One of the things that we were talking about, though, is keeping it tight. You said something about... Oh, that's don't, all in how you apply it. Yeah, and you were saying, basically, so, don't rely on the heat gun to shrink it. Prepping the airplane is the key. It's just like painting. Painting's yeah. the easiest part, right? If you prep the air, airframe right. One thing a lot of guys do is they sand them way too much. You don't have to get it shiny. You know, like, they'll go all the way down to, you know, like, 800 grit sandpaper or something. If you ever rip the covering off an ARF that looks perfect, you'd be shocked at how rough it is underneath there. Right. Um, what I usually do is go, well, I overdo it. You don't have to go even this far, but I usually go to like 180, sand it nice and smooth with 180, and then go to the go to the s- store and buy the cheapest, nastiest hairspray you can find, like Aquanet or White Rain, 80s okay. hair brand shit. With no perfume in it. Dude, I've got some of that now. Perfect. Yeah. It works great on 3D printers, too. Yeah. That's probably why you got some. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's bed glue. Yeah. That Aussie stuff seems to yeah. work real good. And it smells like grapes. I don't know. I like. Oh, it. you'd want the unscented for this. Well, yeah. So but... get it down to 180, dust it off, you know, blow it off with your air compressor, and just paint it with this with uh, hairspray, a whole airframe. Anywhere the covering is going to go, paint it with that. And it's going to fuzz up like crazy. The balsa will, the fuzz will come up. And then sand that with 220 once it sets up. And that glue in the balsa, when you hit it with an iron, it reactivates it and it helps stick the covering down. Okay. It acts like sanding sealer. 
but the biggest thing is the good. The it adds a little adhesive factor. Yeah, you guys gives you more adhesive. Okay, that works on ultra core or. That's awesome. Know. I never even thought about something like that. Yeah, it makes sense too, though. Kind of like a like you said, kind of seals <laughs> wood up a little bit and. That used to be a top secret thing. I learned that from a guy that won best Monaco at Toledo like 17 years in a row or something like that. And he told me that's what he was doing. And you could just see his airplane was just a little bit more, you know, it had the the covering had that extra sheen to it. And it's like it's the base. Hmm. You got to seal that balsa. That, those little fuzzies that come up, um, that's all... Um, wood that basically the covering is trying to stick to and you get that eliminated it just makes it smooth mm-hmm. so so on the uh, as f- once you get the airframe prepped there's another product that zig makes that you can get now it's called stick it it's covering adhesive that you can brush on if you when you open that can you're going to know that you're dealing with something that has got some punch because you'll get feeling you'll start seeing things that you know it's you you know you're doing some modeling sounds like, like i need some <laughs> some of that for other projects yeah so, so use it in a well ventilated area yeah. even then it's still like it's potent yeah well you'll be looking around corners and shit after you get it <laughs> yeah see man i can see the two before's in that wall yeah <laughs> i think they missed a stud so uh, wait, I'm right here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's good shit. This is the stuff that used to, you know, have to have a note from your mom to buy it from a hobby shop. Right. <laughs> you kids out there huffing that shit again? <laughs> Build my airplanes, he says. Yeah. <laughs> so you use that all the places that the covering normally creeps out on you. So where the tail gear mounts. Anywhere there's plywood where you want the covering to really stick. So the pl- around the if it has a cow around the engine bay area, anywhere where there's covering lapping over into the airflow where fuel or oil or air can get up underneath it, the landing gear block, okay, do those areas with that stick it. And that shit, I mean, once that covering hits that, it ain't moving. So you you got to make sure you're on the on the right path there. Right. We're going to need to take a break real quick. Okay. We'll be right back. 